Hi, and welcome to the Building Gen Wealth Podcast. My name is Andrea, and I am a Latina money coach for ambitious, driven women of color who want to do more with their money. In this podcast, we'll dive into all things money, from tackling debt, to increasing your savings, to learning how to invest so your money works for you, as well as the mindset you need to unapologetically build generational wealth as a woman of color. I'll help you build a five-figure bank account on your way to a six-figure net worth. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the BGW Podcast. I am so excited to be here and get started with today's topic. So today we're going to talk about um, investing 101. I don't know if I'm ready to start. But before we dive into that, I want to um, just say that I am recording this a day before heading out to our December trip, which is going to be to Gatlinburg. Um, So this trip is going to be with my immediate family, which is so exciting because we haven't been on a family trip in like over a decade. (laughs) It's been a really long time. Uh, Most of the time growing up, our trips were like either my mom would take us somewhere, my brother and I, um, or my dad and I would go, my dad and my brother and I would go, or my dad and my brother would go. Um, But one parent usually stayed at home to kind of like, you know, keep up with, you know, just the the stuff at home. Um, And then later when my parents got a rental property, it was even harder to travel because um, depending on the time of the month, like somebody had to be home to, you know, kind of take care of everything. So it was very hard. And so this year my brother was like, Hey, we haven't done a family, an immediate family trip in a really long time. Like let's, let's do something. So we are uh, getting a cabin in Gatlinburg and, um, yeah, I'm super excited about it. We are driving up tomorrow. Um, so that's a nine hour drive, which is a little intimidating. And then we are coming back, um, on the first, which the first is my favorite holiday. Okay. So let me explain that before we dive in. Um, my favorite holiday is new year's day. I love new year's day and I'm going to, I'm going to explain why new year's day is to me. I know I understand this is all in my head, but in my mind, there is more hope um, and more dreaming on the first day of the year. There's something about new that we just really like as people. We enjoy fresh starts. We like the newness that comes with, you know, different seasons or, um, different cities and particularly like a new year just brings this sense of possibility and hope. And to me, I think that's so cool. I think it's so cool that on this given day, people just hold more space for hope and possibility than like any other day. Um, And so, yeah, on the first day of the year, I like to just like soak it in. (laughs) I'm always like, yes, today it just feels like there's more hope in the air and more dreaming and more believing. And so that is why I love New Year's Day. I also really like the countdown and all that. Yeah, I just love it. (laughs) All that comes with the New Year celebration. I have been a fan of for the past like... um, let's see, six, six or seven years, I want to say. It was one New Year's Eve in particular that I sat down and I made a, one, uh, a New Year's resolution and it completely changed my life. So 
yeah, after that, I've like been a huge believer in all that is in all that is New Year's, New Year's resolutions and all that. Uh, since then, I have um, believed that not only can you change your life in because of a New Year's resolution, it really can happen at any point in the year. It really just takes a committed decision. Um, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, I still believe in people, um, you know, choosing to have a New Year's resolution. I still think it's, I think it's great. It's a great tool to use. Um, I know it really served me back in the day and yeah. Anywho, a little tangent on that. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's my, um, my favorite holiday and I'm excited to, to celebrate with my family and then, um, be back in time to kind of enjoy, uh, that day at home, um, before we kind of kick off, uh, the first Monday, the first work Monday, I guess, of the year. Cool, cool, cool. Alrighty. So before, um, I head out, I wanted to record this podcast. Um, and this episode is going to be about, um, I don't know if I'm ready to start. And this is going to be our third episode in the investing series. So we're talking about like the, um, I don't knows of investing, right? There's typically a lot of different, um, I don't knows that come with investing. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to start. I don't know how it works. Like, I don't know how much I'm supposed to invest. Like all of these different questions. And today we're going to answer the question. I don't know if I'm ready to start. How do you know if you're ready to start investing? And when I've had conversations with people, a lot of the times what happens is, um, like, I remember somebody was like, Hey, I have about $5,000. Like, am I ready? Is this enough? Like, should I do this? Um, and so there was a question about like, is this enough, which we'll cover on its own in a different episode. Um, but almost like this hesitancy of how do I know, like, how do I know if I'm ready? And so I'm going to give you some parameters to kind of like think through, um, to determine like, if you are ready to start. Uh, spoiler alert, I believe anyone and everyone can invest at any time, right? And, I, and I'll explain my stance on that and why I believe that, but um, but I'll also kind of dive into the parameters and the milestones that I think are important when you are, you know, trying uh, to start investing. Okay, so let's talk about that first. There are um, seven financial milestones that I would consider really big, um, like steps in your financial journey, right? Like I would say, Hey, if you hit these seven things, um, it almost kind of feels like you're, you unlocked a level, (laughs) you unlocked a level of personal finance and you've gone to, you know, like the next level that continues to kind of expand what you can do when it comes to money and building wealth. And so I'm going to list out the seven milestones that I think are really important. So number one is build a safety net emergency fund. Now this is a, um, a set amount of money that is going to cover one to two months of living expenses. That is kind of like your, your ground level safety, right? You want to have that foundation set up to catch you in the event of any sort of um, emergency coming up in your life that you needed, you know, something to kind of like fall on. Whether it is, you know, you lose a job, there is an accident and you need to cover um, something, like you have that money there set aside in a high yield savings account ready to like catch and support you. That is like your first line of defense. So that's milestone number one. Milestone two is to pay off high interest debt. So high interest debt, we're going to define as debt 
with an interest about above seven percent, and so that would be you know, um, uh, um, gosh, credit cards particularly because those are going to fall somewhere between like you know thirteen to twenty nine percent in interest. So that would be kind of like your first thing to go from there um depending on you know the student loans that you got whether they're private public um those interest rates can be close to seven um or above so you know seven is kind of the number that we are that we're measuring things again and i'll explain why that is such a significant number in a little bit um so that's the second milestone pay off high interest debt the third milestone is go ahead and pay off all remaining debt. So you want to get to a point where you're, you are debt free. All your debt is paid off. There is nothing that you owe to anyone, right? Every month, like the money that you come in is actually all yours to be assigned to different things that you want to accomplish and, um, you know, do with that money. You don't owe anyone anything. Um, so that's milestone three, pay off all remaining debt. Milestone four is build a bird's nest emergency fund, which would be your six to, um, or three to six months emergency fund, right? And this can actually be six months, eight months, nine months, whatever you decide. This is going to be kind of like your, you know, your, your big, your bird's nest emergency fund. So you, you think through like your safety net emergency and then your bird's nest is kind of like, just it's going to cover you for a longer time. Okay, so that's milestone four. Milestone five is invest for retirement. So you're going to start actively investing for retirement um, in a more intentional way, right? Because you have all these other milestones set in place, like a lot of your money could go towards retirement and, and get that going, um, you know, faster and with more room to put towards that. Um, so that's milestone five, invest for retirement. Milestone six is invest beyond retirement. So there are going to be things that you'll want to invest um, in beyond retirement, whether it is, you know, um, saving and investing maybe for a down payment on a house if you want to do that. Um, you know, uh, just like thinking through ways to put your money in the stock market to be pulled out before retirement, which means, which means like, you know, 59, 60 years old, uh, to utilize for whatever, you know, you're wanting to do, um, which is possible. And it really depends on the circumstance, like what you're saving and investing for. But, um, those are kind of other areas to branch into. This could also mean, you know, investing for a kid in the future, like one of your kids in the future, investing, uh, for an educate, for their education, investing in a, um, health savings account. Um, you know, just like different, different ways to tap into investments beyond just like your retirement savings. And then milestone seven, which is one of my favorite is create additional income streams. So I think this is honestly, I don't want to say the most important because they're all like super, um, they will all hold a lot of weight, but number seven, my gosh, learning how to create an additional income stream beyond your nine to five, I think is one of the most useful skills that you can build. And I think it is one of the hardest because no one 
teaches us how this is done and and what and no one normalizes this a lot of times we go to school we go to college we get a job we work on nine to five and that is essentially like the only way we've been taught to make money but I think that learning how to create an additional income stream beyond your nine to five is going to one stretch your ability to be resourceful and creative in how you bring an income and then two you know, just start creating those additional income streams so that not all of your money is coming from one place, which is a really, really good thing to do. Okay, so those are the seven milestones. Now, if you noticed, investing for retirement is milestone four. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, like I have to pay off all of my debt, right? Because the first one was a safety net emergency fund. The second one was pay off high interest debt. The third one was pay off all debt. The fourth one was, um, you know, build an emergency fund that's three to six months, a bird's nest emergency fund. And then fifth is like invest for retirement. So you're like, might be thinking, okay, Andrea, but what, what if I have like six figures of debt that I am trying to pay down? Does that mean I can't invest until all of that is gone? Like that's going to take, you know, 10 to 15 years. Like what, what do I do? Um, and so first I want to say that there you're right. You're right in, in thinking, hey, that seems like a really long time. Should I wait until, you know, I'm I'm done paying everything off? And I just want to let you know, and I just want to tell you, you might have heard you have to like be debt-free before you invest, but I just want you to know that's not true. That's a fake rule. That's a fake rule that someone made up somewhere because it sounded nice to them. But the thing about personal finance is that it's personal, right? And so if you're like, no, I don't want to do it that way, it's okay. You're safe to make the most empowering decisions for you, even if like someone else's strategy is telling you otherwise. If you don't vibe with that, if you're like, I don't think that's smart, Great. Follow that intuition because chances are for you, that's the right answer. Okay. Just wanted to say that because I feel like a lot of times there's a lot of fake rules that people hear in the personal finance world. And it's like, that is one way to do it. (laughs) That is one way. And it's not the right way and best way for everyone. So chill out. You know who you are. All right. I kind of just went on a little tangent there. (laughs) Um, Back to... So, so what should I do? Um, you can start investing at any point, at any point. The thing that I want to explain is there is kind of like a quote unquote magic number that we are going to, you know, base and measure things against. But even this number, I want you to kind of take with a, a grain of salt. I'm going to explain what it is and why a lot of people will give this advice. So A lot of people will say, hey, you can start investing um, when you have paid off all your high interest debt. High interest is defined as anything that is um, an interest, like you're paying interest on something that is higher than 7%. Now, 7% might seem like a super random number. Like, why is this kind of like the magic number everybody, you know, uh, uh, recommends? And it is because if you remember last episode where we talked about growth, um, we saw that the average growth and return that you can expect from the stock market is somewhere around seven to eight percent after inflation, right? So when you're thinking strategically about where to put your money, you always want to have a net positive outcome. And what that means is, is if you have money in different places, 
if you kind of like add those all up, you still want to be on the side of positive growth. So for example, let me just kind of, you know, give you this example real quick. Um, Let's say you have a credit card that is 25% interest. Now that is a credit card that's charging you. So it's kind of like the opposite of growth, right? I want you to, I want you to imagine this credit card being like a negative growth. Instead of growing 25% for you, it's growing negative 25% against you, right? Because it's charging you interest. So you have a credit card that is charging 25%. You have like a balance on that, but then you're also putting your money in the stock market and it's growing at 7% on average. So now you have these kind of two numbers, right? You have negative 25 and then you have positive seven, When you kind of put those against each other, it still gives you negative 18 that you are netting, right? You have something that's growing against you at 25%. You have something that is uh, growing for you at 7%. So it's negative 25 and then positive 7. You're still going to be at like a negative 18 growth against you right? So you want to think about it like this um, when you're thinking through like, hey, where are the places that I want to strategically put my money? And you always want to look for a net positive outcome. Um, So that is why 7% is used as kind of like the rule of thumb, because if you can expect your growth, if you can expect your positive return to be upwards to seven, then you want to make sure that the debt that you're paying, um, is lower than that, right? So once you start getting into, you know, you're paying interest on debt that is 12%, 20%, 25%, that is going to be um, a debt that's costing you a lot of money. And so the use of your money, like the use of your dollars on hand are going to be more served towards paying that debt down than they are towards growing because you're going to just be able to help yourself more by paying down that high interest debt than you will by putting the money in the stock market mathematically. So I wanted to say that (laughs) mathematically that is quote unquote what makes the most sense. Um, But that's not always the case, right? Because um, every year is different. Like every year in the stock market is going to give you a different um, result. And just this year, for example, there has been um, a 25.98% growth in the stock market, like, or not not in the stock stock market, but like specifically in the S&P 500. So let's do a quick explanation of what the S&P 500 is. Um, The S&P 500 is an index. So another way of saying index is kind of like a measurement. So I want you to think about like a GPA, right? So when you're in high school or college, you typically get a GPA. And so your GPA is a number that tells you how well you're doing in all your classes. That is the way that, you know, it is explained to you. Now, a, uh, a GPA, you could say like, oh, the student is like a 3.7 GPA. You would know like, okay, this the student gets like A's and B's. Um, if I said like, oh, they're, you know, a 2.3% student, you're like, okay, they've, they've gotten some C's, maybe, you know, had a rough year. So that is a number that kind of like you share with someone and they instantly kind of know like, oh, okay, this is kind of like how the student is doing. And the and S&P 500 index is 
similar in that um, when somebody tells you what the S&P 500 is or, or where it's at, they're essentially sharing with you like how the S&P 500 is doing compared to, you know, like how it's been doing in the past couple of years. So um, a lot of times you'll see in the news, like the S&P 500 went up, the S&P 500 went down, depending on like what the stock market is doing. And essentially what people are saying is like, here is overall how the overall stock market is doing. It's performing well, it's not performing well. The S&P 500 is a stock market index. So a stock market index is similar to a GPA right? Like when somebody shares how the S&P 500 is doing, which is a measurement of the largest 500 companies in the U.S., they're essentially telling you like how uh, it's a great gauge of how the overall stock market is doing. So that's that's something to just kind of note. Quick uh, crash course on like what is the S&P 500. It's a stock market index that measures the largest 500 companies in the U.S. Um, when someone shares what it is and how it's doing, they're essentially sharing like how overall the stock market is doing. It's a great gauge to see that. Okay, that was important to share because this past year, the change of the S&P 500 has been 25.98% like in positive growth. So this is one of those instances where, okay, we got a lot more than 7%, right? Like we had like the growth of the stock market this year specifically has been more than 7%. So this year specifically, if someone had, you know, a credit card interest rate of 20%, it still would have been advantageous for them to start investing in the stock market, right? Like it, it's not always a black and white um, sort of answer. And I think that is the reason for me that I think like everybody should be investing at all times, even when you're paying off debt. And I would even say, even if you're paying um, high interest debt, like even if you have debt that is, you know, 20 5% APR working against you. I still think you should invest, even if you're starting with just like five to $10 a month, right? I think that, um, and here's my thought process behind that. Investing is something that is already so unfamiliar to us and so already so um, daunting and overwhelming. And it's because we don't know a lot about it, right? We don't know how to get started with it. We don't know if we're making the right decisions. Like there's um, a lot of uncertainty that comes with it. And I think that starting as early as you can with, you know, five to $10 a month is not necessarily going to give you the most um, efficient mathematical returns, but what it is going to give you, it's going to give you familiarity. Am I saying that right? familiarity. <laughs> it's going to make you really familiar and really comfortable with the stock market, which I think honestly is the biggest win because right now when you're paying off debt, when you're paying off um, credit card debt, like yes, all of your money might be more useful and impactful paying down that debt, but five to ten dollars, sparing five to ten dollars to put towards investing, I think is going to be so impactful for your brain to get used to how normal and routine it is to invest, right? 
Like it's a thing that you do every single month. It's part of your budget. You see it on your statement. It's just like, you're essentially training your brain and ingraining like this is normal. Like I, I do this every month. Like right now I'm only at five. When I pay off my debt, I'll be at 500. Later on when I'm making more, I'll be investing $1,000 a month. Like that is the normalcy that you want to get to when you start thinking about like investing. And so for that reason and that reason alone, I think as soon as, soon as you're making money, I'm like, you should start investing. Like, re- like really just ASAP today, right now. That is what I think because it's not necessarily about the amount. It's about how early you start and how familiar and comfortable will you get with the idea of like, oh, okay, I do this every month. Oh, okay, like this is how my money has grown. And it's really cool to go back to... Um, you know, like at the end of the year, I remember doing this when I started investing at the end of um, the year, I look at my uh, investing accounts and I see like, I've been putting in $500 a month for, you know, X amount of years. I really should only have um, like for two years, let's say I've been putting in 500 a month for two years. I should only have um, $12,000, but my investment investment account has $17,000. And so to me, that was like really cool seeing that for the first time and, and saying like, oh my gosh, like the growth of this investment over the, the course of two years, has been an extra $5,000. Like it, it, it just helps your brain understand, oh, okay. The more that we put in here, the more that it grows and the more wealth and, and you know, growth we can see our money doing. Um, and that can happen at any level, at any stage, right? Whether you're starting with $5, $10, and then, you know, working your way up to $500, $1,000 a month that you are investing. So, um, yeah, that is my, my thought process behind um, how to know if you're ready, I think, when you're working, you're ready. Um, you know, even if you're starting at five to $10 a month. Um, but if you want to, you know, kind of go up from there and start allocating more money towards investing, then, um, you know, after that you would consider, all right, once I pay off my credit card debt and I have more, you know, room in my budget to, to put money towards investing, then I'll go ahead and double down on that. Um, but in the meantime, as I'm paying off my credit card debt, I'm just going to put, you know, five, $10 towards investing to get that going, to build that habit, to make that routine, to make that normal, to see how your investments are growing at that scale, um, and kind of create some evidence for your brain when it does come time to now invest 200 or 300 or $500 a month. Um, so yeah, (laughs) this episode was a little longer than I thought it would be, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to, to really elaborate on, on certain points, um, throughout the episode, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you, um, learned something about investing and some things that to look out for, um, and ask yourself as you're reflecting if you're ready to invest.
Um, again, I'm super biased <laughs> and I'm going to say you're ready. You're ready to invest. Um, you know, it just takes learning a couple of things about how it works and where to put your money in, but, um, keep, keep listening to these episodes and we will cover those. So the, there are three more episodes to come. Um, it, one of them is going to be, I don't know where to go. So where do you actually go, right? Like you're ready to start investing and now what? <laughs> um, and then I don't know how much to invest. Um, so like how much to start with. And then the last one is I don't know what to buy, which that one is the biggest, um, the biggest thing. I actually might throw in there one that no one has asked me, but I think is super important. Um, I don't know if I should use a financial advisor, which that one I think will be a little bit of a spicy episode because... I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts on financial advisors, but we can talk about that when we get there. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, go ahead and rate uh, me on here on Apple uh, Podcast um, and share your thoughts. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, guys, and I will see you next time. Thanks for hanging out. If you're ready to get serious about your money, but you need the support to make it happen, I want to invite you to my one-on-one -on -one money coaching program. In this program, I help you build the confidence around your money so you can start building a five-figure bank account on your way to a six-figure net worth. Just head over to at building.gen.wealth on Instagram and apply in the link in my bio. I'll see you there.